Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Welcome to Alba's Targeted Individual Community Call. It's Wednesday, May 27, 2015. So there's an interesting article that came out in Alternet. Uh, it's in ref- uh, it's by Bruce E. Levine, May 26, 2015, and it's about a Dr. Jeffrey Lieberman, former president of the American Psychiatric Association. Now, I've covered um, this information about the American Psychological Association in reference to human experimentation that was being conducted behind the walls of these detention facilities like Guantanamo Bay, Bagram, etc., breaking down being the breaking down individuals through psychological breakdown initially <clears throat> and the architectural structure was done through medical professionals and that is being investigated at this point in reference to how much the American Psychological Association was aware of some experiments that were being conducted so now we're moving over to the American Psychiatric Association and um, this article <clears throat> says leading American psychiatrist conducted disturbing experiment and now he's smearing journal who uncovered it by Bruce E. Levine posted in alternate.org May 26, 2015. On April 26, 2015, Jeffrey Lieberman, former president of the American Psychiatric Association, stirred up controversy by calling investigative journalist Robert Whitaker a menace to society on CBC radio. That's uh, Canadian Broadcasting Radio. Because Whitaker, in his book, Anatomy of an Epidemic, had challenged the long-term effectiveness of psychiatric medication. But it is Whitaker, but is it Whitaker or Lieberman who is a menace to society? Question mark. Lieberman, the American Psychiatric Association, or APA, president through May 2014, is currently making the media rounds with his new book, Shrinks. But earlier in his career, Lieberman conducted experiments in which patients diagnosed with schizophrenia were given a psychostimulant drug with Lieberman's expectation that the drug would be psychotogenic, P-S-Y-C-H-O-T-O-G-E-N-I-C, which is to induce symptoms of psychosis. And this deterioration, in fact, occurred. So instead of giving you something to help in episodes <clears throat> to alleviate the symptoms, he was providing, ex- doing experiments to increase those levels of um, psychotic breaks. Robert Whitaker, as an investigative journalist, won the George Polk Award for Medical Reporting and was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for Public Service for his 1998 Boston Globe series, Doing Harm, Research on the Mentally Ill, co-authored by Dolores Kong. 
in this series would occur and covered how Lieberman and other psychiatrists exploring the biology of psychosis conducted experiments on more than 2,000 patients in which certain drugs were administered and other drugs withheld in the expectation of worsening symptoms. The Nuremberg Code of Research Ethics establishes after the horrific human experiments by doctors in Nazi Germany states that medical experiments on human subjects subjects should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. This is obvious (coughs) ethics as one would hope that only Nazi doctors would see nothing wrong with using human subjects to test whether hypothesized harmful agents are, in fact, harmful. Lieberman's experiment. In his Globe series, Whitaker detailed how psychotic symptoms exacerbation and provocation experiments were pioneered in 1974 by David Janowski, J-A-N-O-W-S-K-Y, who reported success in developing a new, new tool for studying schizophrenia. Janowski found that giving diagnosed schizophrenics the post-psychostimulant drug methyphenidate, METH, M-E-T-H-Y-L-P-H-E-N-I-D-A-T-E, or Ritalin, or Concerta. That's, I guess, methothendiates, um, the name drugs would be Ritalin, Concerta, probably Adderall, caused a dr- dramatic intensification of pre-existing symptoms, such as hallucinations and delusions, and that other psychostimulants, such as Amphetamines also exacerbated psychosis. Janowski's work established the idea that psychosis-inducing drugs could be used as challenge agents for studying psychosis. In Lieberman's own 1987 review of 36 studies in which psychostimulant drugs were administered to patients diagnosed with schizophrenia, he concluded that among psychostimulant drugs, the Ritalin, the Concerta, the Adderall type of drugs, basically speed. So you're, you're, you're amplifying it by giving them a form of methamphetamine or, or uh, like cocaine. Those are all stimulants, right? It uh, has the greatest psychotogenic potency. And so Lieberman, in his subsequent experimentation on patients diagnosed with schizophrenia, administered methyphendiate, uh, the psychostimulant with greatest likelihood to do damage. In 1987, Lieberman conducted a study in which he administered methylphenidate, I can't say the word because, you know, I, it's, just, it's, like, it's a meth or meth or speed, I guess you can call it, or stimulant, to 34 stable outpatients previously diagnosed with schizophrenia. In this experiment, previously stabilized patients were not only administered this drug, but taken off standard antipsychotic drugs until psychotic symptoms reappeared. So they took them off of drugs, gave them these stimulants so that they wanted to see how fast they can put them back into a psychotic mode. In a 1990 study co-authored by Lieberman, behavioral (coughs) response to methyphendiate and treatment outcomes in first episode schizophrenia, the induction states, in order to examine the relationship of psychotogenic 
responses to psychostimulants and acute treatment responses in treatment-naive first-episode psychotic patients. They administered intravenous methosendiate to first-episode patients. So that means someone who might have a breakdown for whatever reasons, you know, um, they're depressed, they they lost their job or whatever. Sometimes they go to the emergency room because they don't know what's going on. They have anxiety attacks. So that's what you would, I guess you would consider a first episode. <clears throat> and instead of trying to alleviate that, they, they would then experiment with these people and, and exacerbate these situations by giving them the wrong type of drugs on purpose. <clears throat> On the face of it, this experiment in which a drug is administered to induce a psychotic reaction is cruel enough, but it gets worse. Lieberman's subjects were as young as 14 years old, and he did this experiment on first-episode psychotic patients, the majority of whom research shows ordinarily recover. Lieberman's report reports that the symptoms of distrustfulness significantly increased following the administration of methosendiate so after having a psychotic episode, patients are intravenously administered a psychostimulant drug designed to induce more psychotic behaviors and they become more distrustful. It would be remarkable if such treatment would not make someone distrustful of doctors, perhaps for the remainder of their lives. Lieberman's report reports his schizophrenic subjects and their families were willing and able to sign informed consent. The Nuremberg states, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have the legal capacity to give consent. Who in their right mind would give consent for themselves or for a family member for a procedure that was hypothesized to make a patient worse? Question mark. In Whitaker's Globe 1998 series in the segment, Testing Takes Human Toll, he interviewed Lieberman about his and other psychotic symptoms exacerbation and uh, provocation experiments. Lieberman asserted to say that increasing a particular symptom, like hearing voices for a couple of hours in somebody who has been hearing voices for 10 years is causing suffering, rather seems like a stretch. Beyond the callousness of his response, Lieberman is simply not telling the truth. Recall his 1990 study was done on first-episode psychotic patients, not on people who had been hearing voices for 10 years. Lieberman is elsewhere dishonest or amazingly ignorant. In justifying why he called Whitaker a menace to society, Lieberman stated on the uh, Canadian Broadcasting or CBC radio that research does not support Whitaker's claim that many people diagnosed with serious mental illness do better in the long term without psychiatric medication, but the validity of Whitaker's claim was acknowledged in 2013 by the director of the National Institute of Mental Health, who pointed to some of the same research as had Whitaker. The National Institute of Mental Health director, in fact, concluded, we need to ask whether in the long term some individuals with a history of psychosis may do better off medication. It is difficult to imagine that Lieberman is ignorant of the National Institute of Mental Health Director's agreement with Whitaker. Lieberman's 
Psychotic symptom exacerbation and provocation studies are not his only experiment that have upset ethicists. Lieberman's CAFE, or CAFE, comparison of atypical and first episode of psychosis study on the effectiveness of antipsychotic drugs conducted between 2002 to 2005 has been severely criticized by Carl Elliott, bioethicist <clears throat> professor at the University of Minnesota. Elliott detailed how one CAFE subject who committed suicide was coerced into the study and because of his psychotic state was incapable of giving informed consent. Why would APA elect Lieberman president? Whitaker's Boston Globe series was actually not about Lieberman per se, but was really an indictment of the Institution of Psychiatry for large-scale psychotic inducement research, Whitaker wrote. In their published accounts, doctors have told of injecting mentally ill patients with drugs designed to exacerbate their delusions and hallucinations. In prestigious journals, they have described studies in which they withheld effective antipsychotic medication from desperate patients who stumbled into hospital emergency rooms. In precise clinical terms, they have reported how they deliberately stopped giving medication to stabilize schizophrenic patients to see how quickly they became sick again. These studies were designed to gain knowledge that might lead to improved treatments for schizophrenia and related illnesses but the experiments offered no possibility of therapeutic benefits to the subjects and exposed them to some measures of psychic pain and risk of long-term harm. Moreover, this con controversial line of experimentation has been marked by repeated incident incidences, instances in which researchers failed to fully disclose the risk to the mentally ill patient and obscured their true purposes. Adil Shamu professor of biochemistry at the University of Maryland School of Medicine and founder of the journal Accountability and Research compared the psychotic symptom exacerbation and provocation studies to the Tuskegee syphilis studies in which infected black men were denied treatment. Sha Mu told Whitaker in 1998, I think these psychotic provocation experiments are in a category that is worse than Tuskegee. There are large numbers of subjects and these are current practices. Do they cause harm? Of course they do. Psychotic exacerbation and provocation experiments, Whitaker reported, were conducted by prominent researchers at the National Institute of Mental Health and at close to a dozen leading medical schools. Patient subject uh, for these studies were largely drawn from outpatient clinics, veterans affairs, hospitals, state mental institutions, and emergency rooms, setting, settings that regularly provided care to the poor and uninsured, Whitaker noted. In the few studies that recorded the ethnic makeup of patients, 54% were minorities. Not surprisingly, Whitaker also discovered that researchers routinely failed to fully disclose the true purpose of their experiments and withheld information about risks. The Globe, or the Boston Globe, Review of Informed Consent Forms for Symptom Exacerbation Studies at the National Institute of Mental Health and four other leading psychiatric institutions failed to turn up a single one in which the researchers directly stated that a chemical agent would be used purposely to exacerbate psychotic symptoms. George Anas, chairman of the Health Law Department at Boston University School of Public Health, told Whitaker, we let researchers do things to people with mental illness that we would never let them do to people with physical illness. Why would the American Psychiatric Association elect 
Lieberman president in 2012, question mark. Symptom exacerbation and provocation experiments. Non-sociopathic people feel guilt or shame for having induced suffering in others. So how could the American Psychiatric Association not feel guilt or shame about Lieberman and other psychiatrists conducting experiments that create psychotic symptoms and suffering? The answer to this question takes us to a very dark place. So what, they, what they're doing on purpose is that they're taking people and they're exacerbating any type of situation because they want to they experiment and study. And then when you get cognitive neuroscience, neuropsychiatry, and normal, neuropharmacology and neurotechnology, then you have a whole litany of people who will directly induce things on purpose so that they can get their outcomes. So you don't do it to people who are already weak, who, who can't take it because they would break. You do it to people that you know are strong enough so that if they pick themselves up, you try to break them again and again and again and again and again. Are there people out there who do that? I'm reading you now from the American Psychiatric Association. The last couple of recordings I did was about the American Psychological Association. You better believe there are people from the world, state, corporate, and academia actively involved in participating, I call it sponsor sanctions, and covered up. So I'll give you one just to, to reiterate that. There's something, um, these were the Sinesis Journals from the Potomac Institute for uh, Policy Studies, and it's Building Resilience and Operational Medicine. Neurotechnology-based computational hybrid models have the capability to facilitate the design of psychologically resilient operational networks. This goal can be realized by a direct application of research from the area termed psychotraumatology, which examines factors that enhance psychological resilience in the face of traumatic experiences. Growth through adversity is a term that describes the positive adaption and adjustments that can emerge in the process of living through traumatic and threatening situations. Has made the interesting assertion that three dimensions of wisdom contribute to these positive adaptions to adverse events. One, the recognition of an ability to operate under conditions of uncertainty. Two, the development of a sense of connected detachment, integration of effect and cognition, and three, the recognition and acceptance of human limitations. It is significant to note that these aspects of wisdom can emerge from the operations of the schema. The first two dimensions represent interactions between inter, uh, uh, interoceptive and cognitive components. The third dimension is equivalent to the or, or, uh, cognizance of bounded rationality and the recognition that all human decisions are merely statisficing. Our challenge is to design interfaces to convey this view to operational medicine responders and managers such, as, such that psychological resilience is embedded in the daily practices of operational medicine. If executed correctly, such a simulation platform 
has the potential to serve as an inductive teaching tool to inculcate the wisdom that lies in the heart of resilience in the face of adversity. What does that mean? Psychotraumatology means you take an unsuspecting person and you continue to traumatize them over and over and over and over and over again. You can't do that with mentally ill people because they won't get back up. But you try to reverse engineer a healthy person, a highly functional person. They like to do that the best with highly functional people, to reverse engineer it out of them and keep on doing it to see how they keep rising above the adversity that's thrown at them. If you think these people within the medical profession do not do things like that, then you are the biggest idiot that walks the face of this planet. You better believe that they are actively involved in this type of criminal activity. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.